Welcome to episode four of DDK Talks Esports. Today's guest is Rafa of Team Liquid. Rafa is the greatest Quake Live jeweler of all time. The only person that's really in the discussion up there with him is Cypher, but I tend to lean towards Rafa. But before we get more into that and the details of who he is and why he's so suitable for this episode, I'd like to give you some updates as to how things are going with the podcast. Now, some of you may have noticed that I had some distribution woes to begin with and was switching services. I finally landed on what will be the final service and is likely maybe the best service for podcasting, which is Libsyn. And uh, so right now you should be able to receive this podcast on pretty much any platform you desire. It should be available on iTunes for iOS, on pretty much any Android app, on YouTube as well, and it will soon be on Spotify. Now, if you're in a situation where you want to listen to the podcast and it's not on your app of choice, please tweet me at DDK Esports to let me know and I'll try to investigate and fix that for you. As far as any other updates to the podcast go, I'm I'm just going to keep churning away. One a week is the goal and one a week so far has been successful. And I've invested in now a bunch of audio equipment, which was not too cheap, unfortunately, but it will provide a very close to sort of home studio listening experience um, as the equipment should be quite good. It's uh, a couple of short SM58 microphones if you're into audio and an H6 Zoom audio recorder and all the bits and bobs that go with that. So uh, that's been one of my missions and aims with the podcast is to be able to deliver at events podcasts. And on that note of at event podcasts, if you have any suggestions for topics and individuals that I should go out there and and find at these events to sit down and talk to, please let me know at DDK Esports on Twitter again. Um, I'm very, very open to suggestions and ideas from the kinds of content that you guys want. Now, finally, um, I have a Patreon, which if you choose to, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to find a way to support me at the moment, that's the best way to do it. And that is patreon.com slash DDK Esports. Now, with all of that out the way, the housekeeping is done. Let's uh, start talking a little bit more again about who Rafa is exactly, because I know that for a lot of you, you may not have any awareness as to what the history was really like in Quake Live. And there's a lot of people these days that don't even know what Quake is. And uh, so for those people, I'll quickly say that you should go Google it. Google Quake 3. Uh, you could even type in Quake 3 or Quake Live and, and, and Rafa's name. But ultimately, Quake 3 is an arena first-person shooting game. Very fast, very fast decision-making. Very low, in fact, no variance within the game itself except for spawns, and those are somewhat predictable. So all of the variance actually comes from the individual itself. And so this makes it very fascinating at the very top level. And it really makes Rafa very suitable to speak to because Rafa is somebody that with consistency, was able to dominate in the number one spot. And he did so with having an amazing approach from a mental perspective to his methodologies for practice and preparedness, to the way that he handled his own sort of mindset and you know how he handled pressure and how he was able to consistently deliver his best performances whilst he was on the grand final stages to win titles. So this podcast will be an investigation into exactly how he was able to do that and how he looks at the game and how he looks at being a professional and what the future looks like for him as well. First of all, Rafa, thank you for, for joining me. Um, 
but you're not a Counter-Strike person, so quite a lot of people won't know you, so hopefully my intro was handy. But yeah, um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of topics that you uniquely can shed some light on, so really excited to uh, talk to you today. Yeah, it's always good to catch up with you. Don't get to see it at many events anymore, so it's good to take the opportunity to do this. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. I think it's really strange too because there is definitely a handful of people these days that sort of are aware that I kind of came from the Quake background um, from a playing perspective as well as a commentary perspective and stuff. So it's, uh, I guess this will be really nice for those people who know the Quake scene, but I think for the rest, there's a lot of juicy stuff here. So, right, we'll dive into it. So um, obviously in the introduction, I mentioned sort of your history and how illustrious it is and how much uh, sort of sort of championship level experience you have as an individual but um i kind of i'm kind of curious where it all started for you from uh, the perspective of getting good quickly and and if there's anything before esports like you know where you were very competitive like prior to esports um i'd say growing up a good competitive outlet for me was basketball i loved playing basketball growing up um it's something that i thoroughly enjoyed and i think that sports itself um whether it's what I did most is I played basketball and I also ran uh, cross country a bit. I was never like um, super elite at either, but I was pretty decent. And I think like the the team aspect from basketball and how situations need to be approached and how you improve compared to the individual aspect of running and what type of grind those two are and how they're different. But they both kind of melded together for me into Quake. Um, I think really helped helped me with you know, how to properly approach um, practice and overall improvement in general. So what was it really about Quake, per se, that sort of uh, struck your interest? And when did you actually start playing at first? Like, like what was the, the time frame between you starting Quake as well and actually <laughs> becoming competitive? Yeah, well, I, I remember I was like, shoot, how old was I, man? I must have been like 11 or 12 something like that and my my dad had started playing quake 2 like uh back then he like self-taught himself how to uh uh you know build his own computer you know he was trying to like save money but also like get into like how computers work and all that stuff and he loved games and he realized like how much potential you could get from the internet and playing with people you know from all around the world and that's something that intrigued him and he fell in love with quake 2 and I didn't play much of Quake 2 because uh, when I did visit him, he was on the computer <laughs> most of the time, but I did get a taste for it and uh, I really enjoyed it. But Quake 3 is when I really started to um, get involved with multiplayer gaming and just what Quake was. And I think what I fell in love with the most was uh, my dad went to QuakeCon in 2001 and he came back and he showed me that, you know, at the time he didn't even know until he went to QuakeCon that there was actual like circuit, you know, of big tournaments with big prize money back then for, for people all around the world competing for that to be the best. And once he showed me like the demo recordings of those players and I could see like from my own perspective and like how good my dad was at the time, like our skill, like comparative to theirs, it ju I just fell in love with it. I, I just knew that the competitive drive that I got out of sports and what I enjoyed with Quake, I could get to an even greater extent for myself. And yeah, I just, I fell in love with Duel back then, even when I was 13 years old. And um, yeah, I've been with it ever since. Uh, I didn't really get to play too much until I was probably like 18, 19. I didn't have an internet connection of my own 
like that's when I finally started to get to play really consistently. But up from like 13 to 18, I only got to play Quake, like actual like decent games online, maybe four to six weeks total time out of the year. Otherwise, I was just a I was just a young kid in the shadows who really didn't get an opportunity to shine until I was like yeah 18 or 19. And then how old are you now, just for frame of reference? <laughs> I'm 29. It's been a long fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that is really interesting because I kind of um, I definitely feel you a bit with the story. Um, sort of just how for me as well, like video games and competition and just sort of like the the meeting of those two, the marriage of those two passions and and uh, also just having Quake taken away from you at some point and not being able to really compete. It was like, kind of similar for me. I actually had to. Uh, I played Quake 3 demo in like end of 99, beginning of 2000. And I, was, I got very, very good very quickly because I was so so addicted to being the best on the server. And then mm -hmm. uh, then the real game released and I couldn't get my hands on it because my mum wouldn't buy it for me because it was 18 rated and I was like 12 or something. So, so I had a hi hiatus for like two or three years until I could finally get my hands on it too. So I feel, I feel you there. Um, although I didn't rise to quite the, the heights of success that, uh, that you did. So from the the age of um 18 when you really started getting involved you know seriously like what was your trajectory like um you know how how was uh, your initial competitive experience and how how quickly or how slowly in your eyes did it take you until you reached what would be seen as a professional competitive level yeah um i'd say even like just before i was out of high school um there was like a year or two I I remember I remember specifically 2005 because I remember watching the uh, ESWC finals between CCM and Cooler Live. At the time, I was I happened to be uh, visiting my dad during that time period, and I would say over the year before that, I was somehow in between the long gaps of not playing. When I would come back, I would actually be improving. Um, Something that I would do at home, like I had a computer at home, I just had no, my, my internet wasn't even 56K, it was like 26K. And the only thing I would do sometimes is download demos from ESR of like tournament stuff. And every now and then, you know, amidst hanging out with friends and dealing with school and work and stuff, I would I would watch demos of myself and the pros and try to like just contrast, compare and contrast like what I do better than them and what they definitely do better than me and how I can try to like melt all that together and really improve my game and work on my fundamentals and then reach out from there. And uh, I went to, what was it? I went to CPL 2006 and I got top 12 uh, and I beat a couple pretty decent players at the time. And I had a very close set with Zamu's um, in the upper bracket final. And not the upper bracket final, but in the upper bracket. Just uh, uh, just quickly um, to interrupt you, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, for frame of reference, for those of you that don't know Zamus, he, at the time that Rafa's speaking of, he was effectively a top four player in Sweden, jeweler in Sweden, I think many would consider. And perhaps at the time, people considered him to have the best mechanics. And he was a, a very consistent powerhouse of jewels. So that was quite an achievement. That's yeah, I and I, yeah, I lost to him and then I... I beat at the time who was very, very good in Quake 4. Uh, I beat Lost Cause during that tournament, and that's how I moved into 